Jason and Brother Bon, his uh, wife, this church, the men of this church, and we love you all dearly. And I, I count it a great privilege and honor to be here with you and count you a dear friend. Mom and Dad, you that take time, folks take vacation, folks spend money, investing in the lives of these young people, it is not in vain. I promise you, you're making a difference in the lives of these young people. And I bless the Lord for you. And I thank God for this opportunity to be here with you. Just a brief uh, background. I'm trying to get settled, amen. I always am very nervous when I preach. You pray for me. But God used a youth camp in my life uh, to a great extent. Uh, our pastor that I was under for 13 years, Brother David Wood, many of you know him. Many of you know his son, Brother Daniel. Brother David had a desire to build a youth camp uh, there in central Alabama. And he stepped out by faith. And uh, we watched our pastor uh, lead the men of the church into uh, building that facility. And we watched God bring people in and bring the finances in and bring people in. And God brought a judge in that was a circuit judge there that donated land. God brought in electricians and heating and air individuals and construction workers. And I watched my pastor stand and he would say, I need $15,000 next week for raising the red iron. I'll tell you next week how God did it. We watched him do that for about nine months, and God built that youth camp. And little did Brother David know that years later, when we had our family camp there, God was working in my heart about preaching the gospel. And that year, God had burdened our preacher for a man from England to come and preach named Brother Andy Tully, been faithful in the work there in England for many, many years. He's now back stateside. He's getting up in years. But that day that we went out to the camp was a Friday, and God had been working in my heart, and God confirmed the call to preach in my life at a youth camp. And I'm telling you, my friend, you never know the eternal dividends and investment that's being made in services just like this. Young people, let me encourage you. Let none of the words fall to the ground that you hear this week. Take them and cherish them. I don't know what all the men of God have preached this week, but I promise you, if you'll take them and then write them upon the table of your heart, and you'll, you'll trust the Lord, and you'll listen to that still, small voice, he can take your life and do something with it for the glory of God. And you'll have a life, amen, that'll count for Christ. This morning, let's take our Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Again, I want to thank everybody uh, for all that you've done this week and making a difference in the lives of these young people. 1 Corinthians 15, we want to look here at this great text. We know um, what this text is all about. It's the great gospel text. It has to do with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul talks about in the opening of verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, down through there. He begins to talk about a mystery. He begins to talk about uh, our bodies being changed. And there's a lot of great doctrine in 1 Corinthians 15. And we don't have the time to touch on all of it, but we will come to what uh, your pastor has been looking at this week for the theme of this, uh, this set of meetings. In verse number 54, look at the Bible. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up, here's the word, in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There's our word again. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
I like verse number 57. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to preach a simple thought um, this morning, what God's burdened my heart about on how to have victory in Jesus. How to have victory in Jesus. A lot of times, I don't know if you young people are like me, but growing up in a preacher's home and growing up around some of the best preaching in this age, I've been exposed to a lot of preaching, and, and I'm certainly not uh, uh, criticizing anything that I've heard or been under, but a lot of times men and, and Sunday school teachers would teach or maybe preach, and they may expound a great thought and put it out there, but have you ever been in a service where the, the preacher never told you how to do it? Or perhaps maybe something that the Bible teaches and you need it instrumented in your life or applied to your life, but the mechanics of it, the ABCs and the one, two, three, were never really put down on the lowest shelf, as Dr. Seitler used to say, where even the littlest kids could get to it. And that's really my heart's desire this morning, a very simple thought on how to have victory in Jesus. We know that real victory and having a life that counts for Christ is to do what Christ would have us to do after we're saved. But what are the mechanics of that? What does that look like? So this morning I want to try to preach that thought. I want you to take your mind and go back with me to the 1930s. War is ravaging Europe. And on September 3rd, 1939, Britain declared war on Germany. This came as a direct result when Hitler invaded Poland. You may remember that from studying history. Lives were being taken and blood was being spilt. Families were being divided and war was ravaging Europe. World War II had broken out and victory was on the mind of Prime Minister Winston Churchill. That's all that he had in his heart and mind was absolute victory for the nation and the souls that he led. On May 13, 1940, he delivered this speech before the House of Commons, and I quote in part, I would say to this house, as I said to those who have joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. You ask, what is your aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long and hard the road may be, for without victory, there is no survival. As with Britain, you and I today are engaged in a battle. Not a battle of land and liberty per se, but for the souls of men and the will of God. Let me say this first and foremost, the only way that you as a young person is going to experience victory is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the first base. Until you are saved and you come into a relationship with Him and you have acknowledged your sinful condition and you have put all of your hope and trust in Christ and turned from sin in repentance, you will never know victory. The first step is to be born again. Amen. In this room today, there are untold battles being fought. Battles for the soul. There's lost people here this morning. Some of you have never been born again. And that 
first desire that God has for you is for you to be saved. I want you to know this morning that He loves you. And He did all that is necessary for you to experience victory in your soul, to go from darkness to light, from death to life. He is taking care of everything, and all that He's doing is beckoning you to come to Christ. There's a battle for purity. Oh my, the day and age in which we live in, God needs some young men and some young ladies who will make up in their mind that I'm going to keep my body pure and I'm going to keep my mind pure and I'm going to keep my thoughts pure and I'm going to keep my family pure and I'm going to save myself for the one that God has designed for me. And after marriage, we're going to keep our family as pure as we can as the man of God preaches, as the word is expounded and the Holy Ghost leads us. We're going to keep a purity about our family. That's the battle for today. Battle for the music. The pastor in the church desires you to worship God publicly and privately with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the devil desires for you to corrupt your mind and thoughts with the wrong type of worldly music. And God's looking for some young people that'll say, I'll get victory in this area of purity, music, separation, and young people, you are truly today engaged in a battle like we have not seen in my generation. In these generations that are sitting around the room, and I say respectfully, with the crown of glory and the white hairs, I'm telling you certain things were in the dark corners of society, but now it is everywhere at the touch of your fingertips and at the plumbing of the house coming in. It's everywhere in society. There's battles you're facing today we didn't face. I'm going to tell you what, if you're going to have victory, you're going to have to have victory through Lord Jesus Christ. For you and I to have victory, that indicates there's a battle. You say, Brother Jordan, I don't know about all this devotion stuff and all the preachers have been talking about reading my Bible and they've been talking about fasting and praying and they're talking about being separate from my friends and witnessing to my family. I don't know about all that because that involves a battle. And that's exactly right. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. But you're going to have to understand for there to be victory, that indicates there's a battle. You cannot let arrows fly around your head and bombs be going off and stick your head in the sand and not realize that you are engaged in a battle even as a young person today. You say here at youth camp, Brother Jordan, yes. When you leave here and go back to your home, yes. You can have victory in Jesus. First of all, this morning, I want to say this. Number one, you can have victory in Jesus in your soul. In John chapter number three, you know there's a story where Nicodemus comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus comes to him at night. He's a very religious man. He's a very learned and educated man. But he did not know anything about what it meant to be saved or as the Lord uses and will use biblical language to be born again. And the first step, to have victory in your soul is to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, there is an ancient battle that has been raging since the beginning of time. Each and every soul that is born is enlisted in the mass of humanity that is lost and hell-bound. The captain of this force is none other than the devil himself, and he is cruel, he is wicked, and he desires nothing more than to abolish your soul and the souls of all mankind in the lake of fire for all of eternity. And when you are born, you are enlisted in his forces. For millennia, he has ushered in untold scores into hell, 
never to be released, sealing their ultimate defeat in this battle of eternity and for the souls of men. That's where everybody begins. But thank God there's another army and there's another captain. And this army consists of enlisted men like Adam and Abel, men like Abraham and Moses and Joshua, Esther and Mary and David and Paul and Dr. Seitler and Ironside and Spurgeon and millions of others who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Their captain is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is undefeated in battle and he is unmatched in mercy and he stands victorious over death hell and the grave and he freely offers the gift of life to whosoever will you can have victory in your soul if you're here this morning and you've never been saved the devil will try to complicate it your mind will even try to complicate it but salvation is simply this acknowledging your need of a savior as you are pricked by the holy spirit through the preaching of his word and you confess that you're a sinner and you place all of you in all of christ for all of eternity and he'll save your soul according to the word of god you can have victory in your soul in jesus christ he beckons every soul to come to his side receive a pardon for sin he issues a new uniform thank god he puts you in a new class and in a new rank and he gives you eternal life. Man has because of sin been separated from God. His soul is dead and trespasses in sin. And the soul of man and women has no ability to win the raging battle of the soul. They must run up the white flag of surrender and run to the captain of their salvation if salvation is ever going to be obtained. Preacher, how do I have victory in my soul? You look to where the war was settled. You look to where defeat was given to the devil, where he crushed the head of the serpent and it bruised his heel. You don't have to look any farther than the blood-stained banner of the cross at the cross of Calvary, where he walked up the hill with the sin of the world on his back and he took your sin and he took my sin and he went there and did what no other man could ever do and that was to settle the debt of sin for your soul. And he won the victory. You'll have to make a personal decision. Christ has finished the work of redemption. God has been satisfied and now has to, you can have victory in Jesus, salvation in your soul. and You can be accepted in the beloved and have the free gift of everlasting life. Here's the secret, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, you can look all over this world and never find another that loved you as much as the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm so thankful that God loves the souls of men. Number two, how to have victory in Jesus over your sin. Go with me to Romans chapter number six. I want to change gears just a little bit. Romans chapter number six. How to have victory in Jesus in your soul. Number two, how to have victory in Jesus over your sin. You and I cannot live the Christian life on our own. And praise God, we don't have to, amen? I remember not long after I got saved, I was 23 when I got saved. And uh, you know how it is, buddy, when you meet the Lord and the burden of sin is lifted and you are ushered into the family of God and everything is brand new. And I went home that day and read the Gospel of John. Uh, as a saved man for the first time in my life, and it came alive, and I love the gospel of John even to this day. 
But you know what? It wasn't very long down the road I realized I could not live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. I could not do this thing on my own. And thank God I don't have to, and you don't have to either, young people. God's given you everything you need. He's given you a Bible. He's given you a parent. He's given you, amen, of the Holy Spirit. He's given you a pastor. He's given you individuals that love you and everything that you need to have victory in your soul over sin. You and I cannot live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. God doesn't design it that way. At the moment of salvation, God indwells every believer with the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible teaches in Romans 8, 9, 14, and 16. And there's one indwelling, praise God, but there's many feelings. And God feelings, and God desires for you and I to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is why the folks in Acts chapter number 2 were baptized in verse 4 uh, that says they were filled because there's a difference. When you get saved, you're indwelt, but then there are many feelings. Amen. Thank God for that. If you look with me in Romans chapter number 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Some believe uh, erroneously that because you're saved, you can just live any life that you want to. That is not what God designed for the Christian. That is not his desire for you, young people. It's not enough just to have a saved soul and a lost life. Can I get an amen? God desires to save your soul, your life, your family, your future, and to use you for his honor and glory. You don't want to meet him and stand in a pile of ashes having your entire works burned up because you lived in the energy of the flesh. You can't have victory over your sin. Look at verse number 2. God forbid, Paul says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the death by the glory of the Father, even so we also, here it is, should walk in newness of life. When God saves you, when you reach back to a time you were saved and maybe you're still a babe in Christ and you're learning to grow and put one foot in front of the other, perhaps someone in the church is discipling you and you're trying to figure it out, how do I have victory? You have a brand new walk and a brand new desire, amen? Everything on the inside has changed and you begin to walk after the things that please God. You begin to walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Come down to verse number 11. Likewise, here it is, reckon. That's an interesting word. Accountants use that. It has an accounting uh, inflection behind it. It means to put to the account of or to add up. Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. You have to realize each and every day, young people, whether it be in youth camp, or whether it be in your personal life, when your feet hit the floor, you have to reckon that day that I am going to live for God. That's why daily devotions are so important. That's why prayer is so important. That's why there's times of worship and private communication with the Father is so important. So that that day you start on the path of success to get victory over sin in your life. You have to do that each and every day. You're not just going to walk out of bed and, and happen to just be an excellent Christian for God. and You're not just going to kill the giant. David didn't go from just being a baby to killing giants. There was a lion and there was a bear and there were tests and there was days and there were steps. And God knows exactly what you're ready for and how you can handle each day of your life and have victory over your sin. You're going to have to reckon and put to the account of 
take inventory of. My life no longer belongs to me. My hands no longer belong to me. My feet no longer belong to me. My eyes no longer belong to me. I can't do what pleases my flesh. I have to consider, does this please the Lord? You have to reckon these things up. You have to take inventory of. Number three this morning, let me hurry on. How to have victory in Jesus in your soul. Number two, how to have victory in Jesus over your sin. Number three, how to have victory in Jesus through your suffering. Go with me to Romans chapter number 8. I don't want to miss this. I don't ever want to misread the crowd. I know some of you dear folks here. Some of you I don't know. But I would not be surprised if there's not someone here this morning carrying a burden. I wouldn't be surprised this morning if there's not somebody here that may be in a battle or in a storm or in some type of suffering. We know that the Scripture teaches plainly that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I say this this morning, that just because you get saved does not mean you're never going to have any suffering or sorrow. Now, that's a bunch of foolishness that's being peddled in our day, but it's foreign from the Bible. You'll search in vain to find that. I want to try to be a help to somebody this morning. I'm going to tell you what, our young people are suffering and carrying sorrows like never before. There's individuals this morning that are even junior to myself that have had to walk through things and suffer some things that even myself I don't quite understand. Did you know that the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly what it's like to suffer? Did you know that the early church and men like the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to suffer greatly and to walk in shoes? My friend, he gave us a record here in the Word of God how to have victory over your suffering. Look at verse number 31. Verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that it is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's what we talked about at the beginning of the message. God loved you. God sent his son to die for you. When you get saved, you enter into a relationship from you. And can I go ahead and go on record this morning? I thank God for the security of the believer, my friend. And nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Look with me. Shall tribulation, you're going through something this morning, or distress, perhaps you're carrying a burden or you're in some type of, uh, of a situation maybe not a lot of people even know about, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, Young person, you may confine yourself. Mom and dad, that may touch your heart this morning. You say this morning, it seems like things are so hard and so difficult. When will this storm end? When will this suffering end? When will I get victory over this? Look with me in verse number 36. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Look at verse 37. Nay, in all these things, tribulation, all these things, darkness, distress, persecution, nakedness, famine, peril, sword, yea, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I tell you, my friend, I began to muse on that and think on that. What is more than a conqueror? Why, that's somebody already enjoying the spoils of war. 
because the battle's already been won. When we stand back and we account the entire uh, time of our life, whether it be 60, 70, 80 years, if by reason of strength, and God allows you and I to live, and no matter the waters we have to tread, and no matter the valleys we have to, amen, go through, God will always be with us, and we know that at the end of the day that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We have already got the victory. We have already won because Christ won for us, and it's been reckoned to our account, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. As bad as it may get, if you're on the rock of ages, you'll never fall any farther than the rock on which you stand. Amen. Spurgeon said, I have learned to kiss the waves that dash me upon the rock of ages. I'm going to tell you, my friend, you will experience things, even as young people today, as homes are being destroyed and lives are being taken and sin and iniquity are abounding and the love of many is waxing cold. You can still be more than a conqueror and have victory in Jesus through your suffering. Look at verse 38, for I am persuaded. Paul said, I've already settled my mind. He found him a place to get quiet and be along with God. He said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor thing to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Just in case I missed anything, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God for that. Some of you young people today, there's no telling what you may have to endure as long as the world stands and before Christ comes. There's no telling what we may have to see. But thanks be to God, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can have victory in your suffering. You say, I got a bad report from the doctor. Thank God, amen, you're going to get a new body one day. Thanks be to God, this tabernacle is going to fall away, amen. And we're going to hear that clarion call from glory. And we're going to rise, amen, to seize the everlasting prize. You say, I got a bad call about a loved one. Thanks be to God, the grace of God can still reach them. You say, I'm carrying a burden. I got a thorn in the flesh. Thanks be to God, His grace is still sufficient, amen. Victory in Jesus through your suffering. There's not a person alive who hasn't experienced suffering. However, through suffering, you can also experience victory in Jesus. On page number 120 of the hymnal there that you have in the back of your pew is a song called Victory in Jesus. And you look at the top left corner, it'll be these little words there, E.M. Bartlett, Eugene M. Bartlett. He has a fascinating story. In the early 1900s, life could not be any better for Eugene Bartlett. He has married his high school sweetheart. Bartlett fathered two children and found great success and great joy in writing and teaching in a gospel ministry. He was traveling throughout the South holding sight reading conferences, music schools, and even teaching Sunday school classes and seminars. And however, in 1939, as war was ravaging Europe, he began to enter into one of the greatest battles of his own life at the age of 53. Life took a serious turn for the worse for Bartlett. Eugene, at the prime of his career and ministry, having already written songs like Everybody Will Be Happy Over There and Others, suffered a debilitating stroke. It severely hindered his mechanical and motor skills. It left him speechless and unable to walk. 
Many felt like the stroke ended his career and influence and ministry. Yet in the darkness of those days and in the solitude of suffering and in long battles with depression, that is when Eugene M. Bartlett wrote the words and the melody to his most favorite song, Victory in Jesus. While looking back over his life, he began to think about the night he was born again and the rich life that God had blessed him with since. At 53 years of age in the darkest valley that Bartlett would ever walk through, he called for a pen and a piece of paper and began to write his best-known song, Victory in Jesus. He said, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life. And on and on the song goes, and you know it very well, to save a wreck like me realizing that the love of God had sustained him and brought him to where he was that day he is quoted that he felt the prompting hand of the Holy Spirit to add another verse he thus wrote I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see how could Bartlett enjoy such peace and strength at such a low time in his life and ministry, because he had already experienced victory in the Lord Jesus Christ the day that he was born again. Ever since that day and all the way through that valley, he felt the comforting hand of the Holy Spirit. You know, we never really do understand the strength of an anchor and the strength of the anchor of our salvation and our soul that is anchored, amen, in heaven until it begins to be tugged upon by the storms of life. But I'm thankful this morning that when those times do come and when that burden is there, and when the winds are trying to blow that little vessel off course, that's when you begin to feel the strength of the anchor. That's when the peace comes, amen, and the still small voice says, Son, daughter, everything's going to be all right. You say, Preacher, how do I have victory in Jesus over my suffering? Realize that he's too wise to make a mistake. He loves you too much to do you any wrong. And he's fathered millions of children. And he's never failed one of them. And he's not going to start today. Thank God this morning. Thank God. And finally today, as we begin to close, number four, how to have victory in Jesus in the will of God. Now this is a broad subject. I don't have time to preach extensively on it. But the bond will do a great job with those in the days to come. And your pastor at your home church will do well with that. And no doubt has already preached on that. And the will of God I think has been almost made this mysterious thing. And young people sometimes can struggle with what they should do. And it seems like at the youngest times of our life, in your life, that you need to make life's most important decisions. You graduate high school. Will I marry? Who am I going to marry? Am I going to go to school or college or the career or vocation school? What a, at such a young age, it seems like there's so many decisions to be made. Can I tell you young people something this morning? As long as you stay in, amen, accordance with mom and dad and the pastor and the church, you don't have to be in a real big hurry, amen, and get in, a, get in a mess and make a mess of things. You don't have peace about something moving forward. You let God direct your steps, and you'll be wise for doing that. Look with me in Romans chapter number 12. You know these very well. Romans chapter number 12, how to have victory in Jesus in the will of God. You know these verses very well. Paul writing, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. God is not putting the will of God as a carrot on a stick out in front of a mule and leading him along in an endless uh, hope of finding something that would satisfy. No, the will of God is not all that mysterious and hard to discover. After salvation, the will of God for your life is to be completely submitted to God. You don't have to pray about being submitted to His leadership through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray about being thankful. You don't have to pray about church attendance. You don't have to pray about having a good spirit, young people. You don't have to pray about being joyful. You don't have to pray about being kind to your brothers and sisters and forgiving one another and enjoying the fellowship of the youth group in your church. There's a lot of things you don't have to pray about. It just comes natural for a child of God. It's completely surrendered to God. and That is accomplished by joyful obedience to your parents. Obedience to the pastor, your employer, if you begin to work a job, working and serving as it is to Christ through that avenue. There's a lot of things you don't have to pray about. You understand that being filled with the Spirit is part of the will of God for your life. Brother Giddens has a great way of expounding that text and will not have uh, time to touch on it, but it's about relationships and it's your walk with the Lord and your walk with others and submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. And in our text, in Romans chapter number 12, I want to give you the most simple Bible standard that I have ever found for finding the will of God that I believe is anywhere in Scripture. That's me personally. Look at Romans 12, verse number 1. I want you to look at this little phrase, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. If you'll ask yourself this question each and every day, and before you make a decision, is this acceptable unto God? That will be a great standard for your life from now to eternity. Is what I desire to do with my life acceptable to God? Five years ago, I never saw McNeil, Mississippi in my future. I didn't even know it existed. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I'd run those trains, and I was in 13 years of service already, building seniority. My wife and I had just built a new house on the mountain. Everything was going well, but there was a burning desire in my heart to pastor. And that's one of the qualifications of a bishop if a man desire the office of a bishop. And the phone call came, and the conversations began to come. And I had to begin to take what I was doing, and that home we had built, and that retirement, and all those things, my home church, and all those things, and I had to take that, and I had to hold that up. Is this acceptable to God? Young people, as you begin to live for God and walk daily with Him, it will never be the will of God if it goes against the Word of God. Is what I'm about to do acceptable to God? If the answer is no, then it's not the will of God. It's not the will of God if it violates Scripture in principle and in precept. If it violates Scripture, you know it's not the will of God for your life. If it goes against the direction of the church, it's not the will of God. Can I get an amen right there? If it goes against the desire and counsel and contradicts your parents' desire and walk and will for your life, it's not the will of God. As long as they're saved and desiring the right thing. You say, Brother Jordan, God's big enough to tell my parents and to tell my pastor and make... Friend, if God can hang the world out on nothing, 
He's not going to ask you to do something that's going to break his heart. Can I get an amen right there? Young people, he's not going to ask you to do anything that's going to break mom and dad's heart. He's not going to give you liberty about uh, courting a young lady or a young man that's out of the will of God and break your mom and dad's heart. It's not going to happen that way. We're not talking about, uh, you know, just domineering and all these things. I understand there needs to be some wisdom there, and you parents know well about that much more than myself. But I'm telling you, young people, it is not the will of God if it goes against the word of God and it's not acceptable to God. That's the standard. Acceptable unto God. Please remember that. Most often the explicit will of God. Let me, ho- let me close this morning. Most often the explicit will of God finds those who are already doing the revealed will of God. I have heard that over and over and over, Brother Jacob. How that men and women that are already teaching Sunday school class, that are already working in the church, that are already being uh, directed in the ways the pastor would have them work in that ministry and giving their life to God and being uh, tender and keeping that heart pliable, most often than not, God finds them already doing something in the will of God. It's not necessarily that you find the will of God. It's that the will of God finds you. God knows how to get an attention of a young lady. God knows how to get the attention of a young man. It might be through your personal devotions. It might be through a Sunday school lesson. It might be through a message. Or it might be just in the stillness of the night as you meditate upon the things of God. God knows how to get his servant's attention. Most often, the revealed will of God is given to those who are already doing the will of God. Sincerely desiring to please him, if you desire with all of your heart, soul, and mind to please him, you're going to have a hard time missing those impressions from God on what the will of God is. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, listen to me, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't say the entire life plan. The scripture says this, that thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Sometimes we want a headlight to our highway, but God didn't say the whole path. He said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you can live in a position so close to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God and in fellowship with the church that every step you take can be in the will of God. That's what that Bible says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I would say this as well. The stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes stopping is just as important as starting. In my former uh, service there with the railroad, handling that extreme tonnage, getting going was one thing, but stopping was altogether something different. Sometimes if we're not careful, Brother Bond, we'll begin to wrestle with the Lord and we'll begin to try to force something. If you have to force something, it's most likely not the will of God. God knows how to make things peaceable and work out in his time for his glory and for your good. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Progressively following God's revealed will will lead to his unrevealed will. Progressively following God's revealed will. God's will for you young people right now is to be submitted to mom and dad, be faithful in church, honor your pastor, love him, read the word of God. It's simple right now. A lot of the decisions are being made for you. But one day you're going to get to a place to where you're going to start making some decisions. And I want to leave you with this. Acceptable unto God. Is what I'm doing acceptable to God? If it's not, then it's not the will of God. Remember, it's a light to your path, not a headlight to the highway. 
little by little and step by step, you can know the, the victorious victory in the Lord Jesus Christ in the will of God. The will of God is so important, young people. There are untold scores of Christians today around this country and around this world who are just merely existing. They just get up, they go, they go to work, they keep the house, they go to church. But somewhere years ago, the Holy Spirit nudged them to do something. Perhaps it was a move. Perhaps it was a job. Perhaps it was resigning something. Perhaps it was taking a step of faith. Perhaps there was not even a place for the other foot to land. And they said, no, I can't do that. No, I just don't believe that I can make that step. And I tell you this, my friend, God will never ask you to do anything that he won't give you the faith and grace to accomplish. Acceptable unto God. As we close this year of youth camp, I want to leave you children with this, you parents and you, you church folks. God has already won the ultimate victory for the souls of man. God has given you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures, the witness of two, to aid you in living a life that will count for Christ at the judgment seat. And you can take these simple principles and the other messages preached this week and the other classes and the Bible time together and you can have a life that counts for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember this. It's what I'm doing. Acceptable unto God. Brother Bond.